0: Hi, and welcome back to Making Tain. I'm the host, Dan Kelly, and this is Making Tain, the podcast breaking the sigma and lifting the lid on inspiring individuals who are making a difference. Join me every Monday morning as I interview different guests who are breaking barriers, challenging norms, and shine a spotlight on inspiring individuals who are creating positive change. This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Dina, the president of Elijah Alavi Foundation, and it's a very emotional and raw podcast. I'm glad I finally got the chance to sit down with Dina for an hour to kind of share her story. And I've been aware obviously of the Elijah Foundation for a while now. And I think I've only ever had like one US charity on the podcast. So it's great to kind of reach out to the guys and have them on the podcast to kind of share her personal journey and the tragedy incident that occurred to Elijah at preschool when he was given a grilled cheese sandwich and the tragedy of what happened next and the catalyst for Diana and Thompson's mission to create Elijah's Law. And Diana's really kind of opens up on the podcast and kind of sheds a light on the challenges she faced while attempting to change the law and get the Elijah Law through the bill. And the law is designed to protect children and establishments and guidelines and resources to address food allergies and asthma in child centres and daycare facilities. And just before I jump into the podcast, if you can make sure to click that subscribe button, honestly, I appreciate all the support. And the more subscribers and the more listeners I have on the podcast, the bigger guests I can get on. So yeah, I really appreciate it if you click that subscribe button. Let's jump into the podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Making Tain. So I'm joined by Dina, the president of Of Elijah Alavi Foundation, would you just like to do like a bit of an introduction to yourself for the listeners who might not be aware of the foundation?
1: Oh yes, sure. So, hello, my name is Dina Hawthorne. I am the president of the Elijah Alavi Foundation. Uh, Currently, we are a foundation that provides care and support and safety for children who are suffering and challenged with food allergies and also asthma. We are the creators um, of the Elijah's Law. Right now is in the state of New York that protects children, as well as the state of Illinois, provides training, provides epinephrine, stock epinephrine for the children who are struggling and challenged with food allergies and asthma. We look forward to making sure that we champion this law in other states as well.
0: Amazing. If we, if we go back to the, the very start, who come up with the name Elijah? Cause I thought it was a lovely name and I wonder if there's a story behind the name.
1: So Elijah's from the Bible and Alavi is an African name. It technically means um, like warrior gift from God.
0: Incredible. And I know like Thomas spoke online about when he was born, there's like a picture of him and he's in this kind of fighting pose. If he was saying like, come on the world, I'm ready for you. What was Elijah like growing up as, as a kid?
1: We used to call him um, Choo Choo because he woke up every morning like a freight train. Once his foot touched the ground and he's up, he's full of energy, um, extremely for, uh big personality. For some reason, it felt like he was growing up very quickly. So I always said he had like a little old soul in him too. Um, he loved anything that had a base, you know, drums percussion instruments very funny very um dominant like you know you couldn't really negotiate with him like he knew what he wanted and he was always clear about how to uh communicate his needs <laughs> in in a way that a baby can of course like not in like full sentences or anything like that but you knew if he was hungry you knew if he was tired um he wasn't that that baby that um and just fuss to be fussing. You always knew why he was like fussing about something.
0: I mean, what was it like obviously having a kid in New York? I've never been to New York, but I can imagine it's very kind of fast paced. How is it obviously bringing up a kid in New York?
1: Fast paced, uh, you know, you have, have to be always vigilant about the things that's going on around you. Um, extremely diverse, uh, you know, uh, I lived in a very cultural area. So, uh, culture is big, uh, for my family and, um, New York is alive, you know, it's allowed. The people are friendly, despite what people say about, uh, New York city. I mean, New York state and New York city are two different, um, environments altogether. Like I think when people think about New York, they're thinking New York is like New York, New York city, whereas no, like. New York City is like a world unto its own. And then you have the state of New York. And both are very beautiful and provide two different um, atmospheres that which you would live in. But New York City specifically, it's like constantly going, always on, full of energy, always something to get into. Um, you know, it's and it's one of those places you either like it or you don't. You're never really in the middle.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is, is, the state, is the state of New York, is that like the outskirts then of New York?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's the city part. Of, well, it's not the capital, but it's just the city of New York state. Yeah, so very small part of the actual state of New York. Just, you know, like I don't think, you know, New York City feels like it is the state of New York because it, the, um, the, the energy and the personality and the characteristic of New York City is so big that it almost feels like it encompasses the entire state, but in actuality it's this—it's a very small part of this state of New York.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting because I've, I've never been to New York and I've only okay. ever been to America once. Wow! Um, I wanted to ask, obviously, in regards to, like, Elijah and his food allergies, when did you kind of first notice he could potentially have food allergies?
1: When he was a baby. Uh, so, he has a brother. His brother' name is Sebastian, and when Sebastian was born I didn't know much about anaphylaxis and when he was um, tested for food allergies immediately they told me like oh you know he can't have peanuts he can't have certain things um dairy all forms of dairy eggs um dander so that was my first introduction to um anaphylaxis and then so by the time Eli was born um, I kind of was looking out for specific things, but he surprised me because, um, you know, Sebastian can have berries, grapes, strawberries and stuff like that. So I gave Eli a blueberry with his oatmeal and he went into anaphylactic shock and I was, I was like, what is happening? I had no idea that he was allergic to berries. It was the first time he ever had a berry. Uh, and that's when um, I knew that he had like food allergies.
0: I was gonna say, is it true? Did Did Thomas have al- allergies as well?
1: I have food allergies. Thomas has food allergies, um, but growing up, that's not what it was called. So I didn't know that I had food allergies until I was an adult.
0: Oh, that's interesting because obviously, I've read. i read like obviously you had allergy what was it was it just because it wasn't it wasn't kind of i don't know it wasn't maybe as common as it is now when you got diagnosed i
1: came from parents who are immigrants and so i don't think it was a conversation or a language that was used in my family's um country i don't think it was so i think um most naturally i think they had their own way of describing things like you know they would just say don't give this to the child because it you know, it doesn't agree with her, but in actuality, I had a food okay. allergy. So, um, fast forward as an adult. Now I know that's what it was. And by the time I had children, I didn't realize that maybe that's something you could either, you know, that they would have to. Um, and like I said, Mary's was on, I didn't know, I didn't know, how extensive food allergies could be until I had children,
0: yeah, I was going to say with you with your allergies, did you did you carry an epipen or was it not or did you not need an epipen for you? It's more kind of like the hives and the itchy throat.
1: Well, like I said, my family didn't know anything about food allergies. It's not a, it wasn't a term what was used, so I didn't even know epinephrine was a thing. and I'm sure that it was still was at the time. I'm you know, food allergies has been around for ages it's not it's not a new topic. But um, culturally, I don't think my family's culture, um, it wasn't a conversation. It wasn't a topic that was discussed. They had their own Mm -hmm. ways of, I guess, defining things. So by the time I had children and I knew something was wrong, I go to the doctor and they're like, okay, your child has food allergies. They cannot have these things. And this is like, oh, okay, let me get educated on what anaphylaxis is Um, because. I didn't realize, like, particularly when I was a child, um, whenever I would eat a thing of, like, walnuts, I would always say, oh, my goodness, I can't, like, I feel like I can't breathe. But I did, my parents or nobody in my family knew that, one, that was a food allergy reaction or a symptom and that I was experiencing anaphylaxis, right? So by the time I'm older now and I'm married, have children, and now my kids are having you know, severe reactions, life-threatening reactions to food, and that I'm now having to learn all the terminology behind food allergies, and really catch up fast.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting. Like you say, like how like obviously, obviously, your family probably wasn't like you say aware of kind of food al- allergies or kind of the terminology. um I was going to say, what? How was it? Obviously, being a parent and kind of obviously when Elijah got diagnosed with an allergy did it impact like, obviously you'd, yourself and um, Thomas obviously when you was like adjusting your diet so obviously make sure that the algae the household was kind of algae free
1: Um, yeah it d- definitely changed the way that we cooked our meals it definitely changed the way we purchased food I definitely started reading ingredients a lot more and not just only for food products you know like um mm-hmm just everything but particularly when it came to food I never I didn't always read the ingredients as thoroughly as I did when my children um had food allergies like once I learned that they had food allergies they were life-threatening all food allergies are life-threatening technically they are um that's you know it, it definitely changed the way that we um purchased food in the way that we um look at food too
0: yeah for me it's like always like checking the packaging and i think as i get older obviously like moving away from home because obviously i relied a lot on my kind of parents when i was a kid so it's like taking that responsibility and obviously checking the, the kind of packaging all the time what really surprised me in america was like the prices of the the epi pen as well um it it really yes. kind of surprised <laughs> me how how expensive it is in, in comparison to kind in comparison to the UK, is it over like seven hundred dollars for the life-saving epipen?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, there's insurance that can pay for it, but overall, it is very expensive. Unfortunately, yes.
0: Yeah, because I was I wasn't aware about that. I was listening to um, a podcast where there was kind of speaking about the prices of the epipen in the US, and yeah, in the UK, it's like it's like twelve pounds. So I was really shocked to see obviously the difference and um yeah they were saying like in britain the government or the drug industry agreed to a limit on the health service spending required by the drug companies and i think if it goes over like a certain limit then they get fined but um yeah it really surprised me in regards to kind of elijah's allergies did he did he struggle with asthma as well because he
1: had the asthma um you know like and then having a food allergy and having an anaphylactic reaction to his food allergy, you never really knew what triggered what first sometimes. And what I mean by that is if he's eating something, like if he's having an um, an asthma attack, right, where he's laboring to breathe, the first thing I always think is, did the first thing I always think is, did he touch anything? Did he eat anything? And it's it's like we have to move very quickly because it could just be, that he's having an asthma symptom, right, and he just needs his albuterol as his rescue inhaler, right, or is it he needs an epinephrine? We need to go to the hospital, right? Like, you know, his prednisone. Like, what, what, what are we actually um, dealing with, and what needs our attention right now? Like, so that was always scary because having to act really fast and identify what's happening very quickly, like. There was an incident once when he was little. And um, we were making something and had we needed eggs. And we were always careful. And now he's big and so he's running around and he's getting into things. So he goes into the garbage. I don't know that him and his brother do this. They go in the garbage and they take out the eggshells. I don't know this. It's not until like... He comes running into the kitchen and he's scratching and he's laboring to breathe. And I'm like, okay, what is happening? I didn't what have give you done? anything yeah, like, to yeah. eat. We don't have anything in this house. It didn't even dawn on me like the eggshells because they were in the garbage. And in my mind, I'm yeah, like, yeah. why would they go in the garbage? <laughs> you know, like, yeah,
0: like kids just get up to all sorts these days. Why, like, I like, just, growing up, yeah.
1: that was not the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, it wouldn't. Way, yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah. I give him, I give the boys to uh, Thomas and I'm like, okay, take them to the hospital and I'm going to figure out what happens as he's, so now we're trying to go and get clothes. We go into the room, eggshells are all over their bedroom. So now I'm like, okay, you oh, wow. just have to take them with whatever clothes they have on because I have to like sanitize this entire room now because the eggshells were like on the bed. They had it like on the window, like just everywhere. Was, like,
0: everywhere.
1: Yeah, it was a nightmare. So after that, I need to say there was no eggs in that house again.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, did 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 he have to take the epipen that 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 day or did? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so scary, like you know what I mean. When and and imagine it's, it's probably harder as yourself as a parent where it's hard to distinguish sometimes is it allergic reaction or is it the asthma and trying to work out what the symptoms are or what, like you said whether he's eating something that day. So imagine. It must be quite hard in that sense.
1: Well, it is because, you know, anaphylaxis is laboring to breathe too. And that's an epinephrine require. Like you need your epinephrine and head to the hospital. Whereas if he's just having an asthma reaction to like, maybe he was playing too much and that tend to happen a lot because he was very rambunctious and he he wanted to always go fast and, and, and quick. And so you know, always having to stay on top of him, timing his play. Um, you know, if it's too cold outside, he couldn't play in the cold. If it's too hot outside, he couldn't play in the heat. Um, and that would exacerbate and trigger his asthma. So when that happened, we would just get his rescue inhaler or, you know, as a butyrol, um, and then, you know, do some prednisone treatments after just kind of monitor him. We wouldn't need, drill or epinephrine, right, to deal with that. But if it is a food allergy reaction and then you call like you mix that with his asthma, I mean it's a it's it's a nightmare. It really is. And been hospitalized so many times before because of it, because now, you know, particularly when a baby's so little, I can only imagine, like, you know, their lungs are still developing and stuff. And so it was um always um We spent a lot of time in the hospital with him.
0: I really like quite quite a lot when he was kind of growing up as as a baby with these allergies and asthma and everything.
1: Yeah, sometimes his asthma would be so bad that we would have to go to the hospital if he gets if he catches a cold and you know and he now is disrupting his breathing and it's not helping. Now we have to go to the hospital. So. Between his food allergies and his asthma, we were always in the hospital.
0: I kind of want to ask about, obviously, you know, when Elijah obviously went to New York City regulated kind of preschool. How, how was that when you first spoke to them about food allergies? Was they aware at the time about kind of the severities of how serious food allergies are?
1: Yes. Um, that was th- the reason why I sent him there was because I thought that they were thorough. I spoke with the special education director that was there at the time. And so they knew he had asthma and food allergies. And um, well, they know, They have they he had V P. Yeah. So it's not like he be-
0: So it was yeah, so like you say you, you went to quite a few different kind of um preschools to kind of work out yeah. which one you felt because it's a big thing as well. I imagine, obviously, someone looking after you, kidding you not being there. If we talk about the, the tragedy, what happened on the 3rd of November, 2017, um, where was you when you, you found out about the tragedy, what happened to Elijah? I was
1: there. They called me. I went to picket map. Had to rush into the hospital. and yeah,
0: Down to someone gave him grilled cheese, is that correct?
1: Yeah, somebody at the school... For whatever reason, gave him a grilled cheese sandwich.
0: And like, obviously, the protocol is, obviously, when someone goes into anaphylactic shocker, eats from the ledger too. Did, did they, initially, did they not ring 911 first? They, they rang you first instead.
1: They didn't. While 911, and at the time, it wasn't mandatory that they had to do that. So I'm assuming that's why they did not Now it is, but before it wasn't.
0: And, obviously, I know, sorry, it's like, bring this up, because it, obviously, it's, it's emotional and obviously bringing back kind of the emotions and kind of what happened on that fatal day was so you went to hospital obviously did they give him adrenaline and or was it more the the asthma kind of played a part as well they
1: did what they could um yeah unfortunately um yeah i guess they i guess you know they did what they could
0: i'm so sorry because like hearing obviously like your story and I've had other families on the podcast who unfortunately lost their kids or childs due to food allergies um but I think obviously the work you do now with kind of the Elijah's foundation along with Thomas to kind of raise awareness about allergies after what happened to Elijah I imagine you went through so many different kind of emotions um
1: well, you know, something like that, you don't really get over. I am a firm believer in God, and so I definitely leaned on my faith. And um, we always wanted to uh, advocate for, you know, advocate for food allergies and, uh, and children with asthmas and um, early childcare care and daycare centers anyway. That's something we wanted to do anyway. So after my son passed away, it just made sense to just keep to just just jump right in, and um, the first thing I did I started to look at regulations, policies, and laws, um, in how this could have happened, what protections are in place, and I noticed that the language was very relaxed, and so I felt that there was a need to make some changes in that department. And that's how the Elijah's Law became what it was and what it is now today.
0: So when you kind of walked into it, was there no protection for kind of children in private or public healthcare in preschools?
1: They had, it wasn't for um, food allergies and anaphylaxis. And there was no training. There There was no language for what to do, signs and symptoms, identifying them. I mean, we have fire drills. People, you know, in schools, or if they're uh, they have nurses. If somebody's like sick or something, they have all these protocols on what to do. But when it came to food allergies, there there wasn't no real emphasis or a a lens or focus on how you identify signs and symptoms in children with food allergies or particularly dealing with asthma and these are children that cannot speak for themselves so i mean yes we they had you know some regulations and policies in place for children over the age of 7 you know but none for children below that age there was no tr- there was no language you know representing or supporting uh the children who cannot speak for themselves on how to go about mitigating that risk on how to go about protecting those types of, you know, the little ones, the babies, I call them, I call them, there was, there was nothing. So I just felt that we needed to create something and and put something in place because that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't own a farm and everybody, most people in America are relying on going to the grocery store and other people, you know, providing the produce for them. So uh, what we can do is put something in place to help and protect those children who cannot speak up for themselves, who cannot say, I'm smoking, I can't breathe, you know, I ate this. Um, it's, uh, it's on us to be able to um, help, you know, those, those children um, being able to identify size and symptoms is one of those ways because food allergies aren't really going anywhere right now. I mean, there's so much research that's being done to help mitigate and, um, you know, treatments. You know, we like I said, we have the epinephrine. We have the Benadryls. You know, we there's so many other, um, you know, food allergy testing. And these things are going to be occurring until you know something is figured out but in the meantime l- why don't we have something in place to help um
0: how difficult was it to kind of get it through kind of obviously the new york board you know to, to to make it um we call it like through parliament in the uk elijah's law was it really really difficult then to kind of get get that through all the preschools have that protection
1: yeah right not it wasn't the it wasn't the most simplest thing to to get done, but you know, with a lot of praying, faith, and working with people who care about children, who understood the need for this law, and was just as passionate as we were, we were able to get it done. Yeah, and also we were very intentional too. It's for all children, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you did. You help. I know. I kind of read that you you very much. Changed the wording so I know I heard that it was quite difficult trying to get the wording right so we can kind of the bill can go through.
1: Well, we w- we didn't want the language to be too relaxed and we didn't want um we wanted to make sure that children were safe and they were protected in childcare and daycare settings and school. We wanted to make sure that. There were concrete steps taken to manage food allergies for children in their care. We wanted to make sure that emergency protocols and strategies and ways in discussing food allergies for children and plans of prevention um, were put in place. Um, And we wanted to make sure that that was not a language of maybe you could do it if you felt like doing it, maybe you should, or... But instead, no, these trainings need to happen. These are the signs of symptoms that you should be able to identify because a lot of the times, 25%, I believe it is 25% or more even probably now or less. um, I don't want to get the stats wrong, but our children who have their first reactions in daycare centers and early child care centers, and I'm not sure that's a global statistic um, off the top of my head. But overall, that's been what's been stated. And so if you think about that number, if you think about that, that means a parent could have been giving their child something to eat. Like Sebastian, um, we would all, I was always giving him peaches. And then one day he developed a reaction to it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm a terrible parent. It's just his body decided that day to let me know and inform me that, you know what, we don't like peaches right now. Um, and because I was familiar with those signs and symptoms, I was able to go, okay, you know, let's get him retested and figure out, is this an intolerance or is this um, a food allergy that potentially needs to be put on the list of things that we need to like watch out for? And so it just became like a um, an intolerance when he was a baby. And now, you know, he can have um, peaches, but at the time, there was a short period of time in his life where he couldn't have it. So it's really important that um, when parents are leaving their children in the care of others, particularly in these types of settings, and this also goes for home daycare settings too, that it's important that you are trained to identify the signs and symptoms of food allergies, and most importantly, understanding the triggers, particularly when it comes to asthma as well, so that their child can go back home the same way they arrived, alive.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um do you remember, obviously, when the Elijah Law, obviously, went through? Do you remember kind of the emotions of how you felt? Like, obviously, because I know, obviously, you and Thomas worked hard to kind of um, get it through the bill. Do you remember that day, clearly, of, of of when you found out?
1: One, I was excited, but I didn't have time to be excited because um, there was still a lot more work to do. So, like, yes, we did pass the law but there was still a lot of work that needed to be done. A lot of other things that needed to be implemented. So that was just like step one. Um, and so I didn't have a lot of time to like be in Jubilee and I was still grieving. So there wasn't a lot of excitement in in the way that most people would think that there was a celebration. No, I think today I'm kind of starting to take pride in, in what God has been able to do through, um, this foundation and the work that we have been able to accomplish alongside some amazing and wonderful people um and so i think i'm just now being able to sit back and say you know thank you god for the opportunity to protect children all across this 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 country
0: and it's an absolutely like tragedy what happened to elijah but obviously the work with yourself and thomas are doing like you say to protect kind of kids for, from all over now obviously with it I don't know too much in, in regards to like the different states in the US. Are you, are you trying to get it through different states? Or is that really difficult because of how many states he in the US? Like...
1: <laughs> I guess you can say that, you know? Um, yeah, I guess you can say that because it's difficult. That's for sure. It's not, it's definitely not easy. Because
0: um, in the UK, we've got like England and um, like Scotland. <laughs> I can only imagine, yeah, so it's a lot but easier, yeah, no. In that sense, like.
1: I yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, you know, we think about politics, and you thinking, of, and when you think about, uh, you know, you know, we're talking about working with a lot of people here. So, um, I think naturally there's going to be some opposition at times, and you know, I, I'm like I'm a believer in. Um, love and that that always will rise and that um, as long as I'm able to communicate the need and as long as we stay focused on the importance of what the Elijah Law brings to the table and why it's important, even with opposition, I think sometimes the goal is just to hear everybody's perspective and concerns and to see why they have a concern and what that concern is and usually once we're able to sit down and have a conversation and a dialogue about it um people are able to come around and go "Oh, okay i, I understand what's happening here
0: yeah How, how's it been that obviously like promoting i say promoting but obviously kind of getting the word out there about kind of elijah's story i kind of read that you do a lot of like events you know with the communities um How's that been obviously getting the word out there to make everyone aware of um Elijah's story?
1: Great. Um, we're still we still have a long way to go. It's a challenge. Right now we are restructuring the foundation because we really want to um be in the community a lot more. Uh focusing on the law does take a lot of our attention. Um but we are still very much in the community, doing the work in the community, and we just wanna be a little bit more in the community, uh, allowing um, a lot of our work to touch and agree, as we say in our culture, touch and agree with the people. So right now we are creating like family events and we are creating a more formal fundraising event to really support the work that we're doing. We have the ambassadors program, which right now um, we are looking to establish um, ambassadors in schools. And so we haven't settled on any school as yet, but when that happens, we definitely will be letting everybody know about our ambassadors program and the schools that we're aligning with. And I think as we continue to grow and we continue to share this information, um, the more confident others will be when talking about food allergies and also particularly for children and young, young kids with food allergies, they'll be able to support one another in school. So there won't be like, you know, um, bullying around food allergies, understanding the severity of it, um, how dangerous it can be to play with the health and wellness of another one of their peers that has food allergies, understand the implications of this child can die if you guys are bullying them with their food allergies. So the ambassadors program is going to focus on ensuring that this language is happening in the schools, that kids are understanding the severity of food allergies and asthma, and then also how they can be um, good friends, good peers to one another, supporters to one another, helping to advocate and um, teach each other about what this is and how they can, you know, help navigate their peers who do have food allergies and creating a safe space for them when they go to school because they spend a lot of time with each other and particularly you know they learn from each other and so what better way to have you know the little ones learning and growing in this space and they are going to be the future there they will be adults you know one day and they will have. They will be a lot more knowledgeable about this topic than I ever was as a child growing up.
0: Yeah, because I think it's it's so important that kind of education. I know. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Julianne from Creative Nature, but her and some of the algae advocates have set up these like school assemblies. So it's like a free assembly pack where they teach like school kids in primary school. Um, about kind of food allergies and make them aware because i remember when i was a kid like no one was really aware about the kind of severity of food allergies and it's really sad hearing that now kids are getting bored because of their food allergies it wasn't something i experienced when i was younger but it's something i'm kind of hearing more about over the last couple of years
1: yeah and it's scary you know
0: yeah really scary
1: it's 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 definitely scary to 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 hear that I mean, when i was a teacher I did um, hear about it and know, you know, students being really curious and wanting to see what would happen and having to have that conversation around, like, it's not a joke, you know, and then actually being surprised that somebody can die from food. They're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you know, let's talk about this. Anaphylaxis, can anybody spell that word? You know, um, do you know what it means for someone to be anaphylactic? Um, you know, if somebody has asthma, but mainly food allergies, because they're, they're curious, they're, they're confused, they don't, they don't, they don't get how a bag of chips can be harmful, you know, because food is supposed to be safe. You know, they're like, well, how can, you know, if carrots are good for you, how can it also make you die? And it's like, well, that's, that's a food allergy for some people.
0: And I think kids are quite curious as well. So it's great to love, love. make them aware about kind of food allergies. Um, how how long was your teacher you for? Three and a half years. Oh, amazing. Um, I was going to say with the Elijah Foundation, has it been difficult, obviously, to, to get the funding, obviously, to do it full time to kind of raise as much awareness as you can and kind of carry on the incredible work you're doing?
1: It is a challenge because it's, I feel like it's still a topic that everybody is not not that they're not aware, but it's almost like saying, is it really that serious? You know, should we be that concerned? And I like, I think about food allergies and what we are doing right now. Um, I, I liken that to specifically when, you know, at a time mental health was not a conversation Um you know it wasn't a topic it was still like taboo to talk about out loud and now everybody is Talked willing about, to talk yeah. about it so you know i i look at what we're doing as we're trailblazing this path where this conversation about the importance and the severity of food allergies um will start to take place not just in the food allergy community but also outside of the food allergy community and i say that to say Heart health, cardiovascular issues are important. Uh, Mental health is important. Diabetes, you know, people struggling with diabetes is important. But so are food allergies. And I know some people, they think, like, it's a mild reaction. Like, oh, you're just going to break out in hives. And it's so dangerous to only view food allergies as the symptom of hives or rashes. Because then you are never really truly prepared for anaphylactic shocks yeah. or reactions. And when that happens, you, you're you not moving quickly enough. You're not confident enough to know what to do next. And somebody's life is on the line.
0: Absolutely, I think it's when they don't have a friend or family member, I always feel like people just don't quite get it and probably don't understand that. Like, like say the smallest amount could could kill you.
1: Yeah, and so I'm like, you know, we are, it is a challenge to raise the funds, but we're not gonna stop. We're gonna continue to keep doing what we're doing, you know, making sure that we are in the community. And the more that we do that, I feel that others will start to, you know, take notice and pay attention and, and recognize the importance of the work that we're doing and most importantly um see the benefit you know when I hear that in schools right now the training is happening what must happen to protect the students they're talking about it they don't know me you know but it's helping and protecting somebody else's child um a close dear friend of mine I call her my sister she went to enroll her, her son at some, like, I think, like, the why or something. And just to hear that they have to, you know, fill out a form, and it has the Elijah's Law on it, and it talks about the importance of food allergies. And, and they're actually educating parents on going to get their children checked out, you know, like, just in case you don't know. You know, here are some forms, 504s, you know. Having the conversation with the parents now, because sometimes... Parents don't even know what their rights are. They don't know that there are, there are potential ways in which they can protect their child um, when they're sending their children to school. And so, what our law and with the work that we have done, essentially, has created um, the conversation to start happening with the staff and the teachers, and you know, to the parents. So everybody's educated, being educated. But also the parents are being educated as well. They're given information. So if they didn't get it when their child was born, if they're not getting it at the at the hospital from their PCP, their pediatricians, now the schools are having that conversation with parents, and that's amazing. Yeah,
0: no, that's incredible. Obviously, with the work you do, it. what's your kind of ambitions over the next, like, say, two to three years? Have you got like? Massive goals in mind of of where you want to take um, Elijah's Foundation.
1: Absolutely, Uh, particularly we really want to grow the ambassadors program. Um, We think the child, we know that the children are the future because they are, and um, but most importantly, you know, protecting all children in this country, and so taking this this law federal is absolutely um, something that we are focused on doing and um, diligently working towards getting done. And it's a challenge, but we are ready to take that challenge head on and see, you know, where that, you know, how that happens, when that happens, we don't know. Um, But I'm really excited about what the future looks like for the elijah Levy
0: foundation absolutely i was going to ask how many people are working for the elijah foundation at the minute
1: we are a small team so maybe six yeah. oh, people that's amazing
0: honestly it's been incredible to have you on the podcast to like share your story um i've been wanting to have elijah's foundation on the podcast for a while now so it's incredible to have the opportunity to kind of sit down with yourself to kind of share the story of obviously elijah and obviously the incredible work you're doing so yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast today thank
1: you for having us you know um as the president now i am looking forward to uh, um speaking more and and talking to uh people about the growth of the foundation the work that we're doing why it's important and where we're heading next so thank you for the opportunity to do so
0: oh no honestly it's been my pleasure and yeah, it's great. Um, like you say, to, to to speak with yourself and obviously find out more about 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 kind of your story as well. So no, I appreciate it. So yeah, thank you.